Fleming from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Been living there for decades. Recently, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hey, got some people that celebrate Pittsburgh. All right. My dad always said it's a good place to be from. But I'm enjoying uh, fall coming up here. It's my second time coming up in the, t- in the territory. I go way back with these guys. Go back 20 years, right? So in our uh, short life, in our short years, that's a long time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, half of our life, yeah. First met in Tulsa, um, uh, and man, it's just been good to get uh, ministry friends, people that you meet and connect with. Corey came down to go to school there at Bible school, and it's the same Bible school that I went to, and uh, just been traveling since then. They came back, and we've just kind of maintained connection through the years. Excited to be here. So I am a traveling minister out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Unfortunately, I was not able to bring my family with me today, but they say hello. My wife is at home, Erica, and they were actually uh, uh, headed to nap time on my way into church already. So uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen when I go back to Tulsa, but I'll be there in a couple of days. They travel with us sometimes, but they were just with me on a trip to Calgary, so they weren't able to come. I've got thousands of photos after service, if you would like. I have become that guy, right? I was single for so long and uh, didn't really get my picture taken much, and uh, my wife has more than made up for that in the, uh, the past six, seven years that we've been together. God is good to us, and so we're having a great time. God has been uh, good to us. I'm telling you, I'm on my own personal redemption tour the last seven, eight, nine years of my life, having a good time. And so what we did this weekend is we were teaching a lot on the ministry of helps. I don't know if you know this, but um, my father was a pastor whenever I was a kid growing up. I was called to the ministry, recognized it, accepted it when I was six years old, actually. Been headed this way since, uh, I won't tell you what year that was, but it was a long time ago, decades ago. And I've been headed this way just my whole life. And so my father pastored a church for a little bit, but uh, Corey can relate to this. I don't know if you know this, but when your father is the pastor, you are automatically a volunteer in the church. Can you imagine that concept? Right? It's no list that you have to wonder to, to sign up on. Am I going to be there? You don't have to question. You're automatically going to be a part of this, right? So from a kid, from a child, I've been involved doing things, uh, working in the church. But again, right, it fit where I was headed because I knew that I was going to be a preacher, knew that I was called to the ministry. Went through Bible school, uh, came out, and, uh, you know, when I went to uh, graduated high school and went to Bible school, I started a volunteer. I worked as an usher. For me, the question wasn't, should I do something in the church? For me, the question was, where should I go? And so I just asked them, I said, where do all the men go? What do all the men do? That's where I'm going. And they said, well, they usher. So I ushered for a couple of years and enjoyed that. Um, and then just... Um, I've been traveling now as a traveling minister for 17 years. Go out on the road. Last week I was in Calgary. Week before that I was in Texas. Week before that I was in Ontario over by Detroit. A couple of days before that I was in Michigan. Before that I was in Kentucky. You get the picture. I'm a traveler. Got it? Right? <laughs> so I've been doing this for 17 years. Traveled the globe even. I was down in Colombia, Bogota, <laughs> Colombia last year, teaching on some of the same stuff. And so for the last 17 years, when I went out on the road, I just kind of found a message that was in my heart. And it's one thing that I wanted to do was just to travel the world and just encourage people to get involved to do something. There's actually a couple of things that we focus on. It's not the only thing we teach on. Love teaching on righteousness. I love teaching on what Jesus Christ has done for us. Man, I'm telling you what, about seven, eight years ago, I got a picture. I got a greater revelation. Did you know this story of the gospel? is so amazing, it's not something you can grasp with your mind. 
this story is so amazing. God's love for you is so incredible. It's got to be revealed to you. I got born again as a child, but man, it was years before I fully understood. It's like one of those epiphanies. Have you ever had those moments where you realize, God has been good to me? And there was one day when I got a hold of it, and it changed my life. Changed how I shop at the Walmart. Does that make sense? Changed how I drive going down the road. Can you imagine that? Don't use the horn as much anymore. (laughs) Right? And I remember that first Christmas, you know, a handful of years ago, just that first year when I really understood God loves me. Come on, it's one thing when you understand God loves man. God loves us. Oh, but something powerful happens when you realize he loves me? Man, the way that I am? Man, it's powerful. And I remember that year just a couple months later. It was Christmas time. I'm shopping for gifts. Come on, where's my December 20th Christmas shoppers? Where are you? Where's my fellow people? Yeah, there's like a desperation that comes upon us, right? We wish everyone else would just go home. We haven't finished our shopping. I don't know what the rest of you people are doing. Get out of our way, right? We're desperate for whatever's on the shelves. And I remember just being in that traffic and then just sitting back and relaxing. God loves all these people. Where before the revelation, I'm thinking, these people are in my way. Get out of my way, people. You're slowing me down. I got things to do. And now I'm in the middle. Come on. That's what the Spirit of God can do. Take you from, in your situation, take you from what you think is a mess and completely turn your whole view around. He specializes in turning your story around. Ephesians chapter 2 said, it's because of his great love wherewith he loved us. When we were dead in sins, he raised us up together with Jesus Christ made us to sit together with him in heavenly places, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding kindness of his grace, his kindness towards us. Come on, he wants a story in your life that for ages to come, people keep wanting to hear that story. Hey, tell me that story again. Hey, tell me that story again, what God did for you. Ages to come. Come on, have you ever had like a, uh, like a really good story you know, like for a couple of months, man, something great happened to you, and then it kind of fades. Have you ever had like a half hour good story? You know, it's kind of fun for a half hour, and then you get tired of telling it. <laughs> Scripture tells us, though, that what God wants to do in your life is a story for ages, ages to come. Come on, he already knew f- Facebook was going to be around today, right? Such a short life on all our stories today, right? So di- disappointing. I'm not like a big Facebook fan. It, it kind of, uh, I'm not always a excited when I come up to tell people, hey, something great happened, and they're like, yeah, I saw it on Facebook. <laughs> oh, I wanted to be the one to tell you. Come on, he already knew Facebook was going to be around, and he said, in the ages to come. Ages to come. Come on, this is what God wants to do in your life. This is what God wants to do in your life today. Ages to come. Ages to come to turn something around. Ages to come. And so this is why I tell you about my, my wife, my boys, Come on, it's my personal redemption tour. We teach on relationships. It's another thing we teach on. I was uh, single for many years. Can you imagine being single, traveling to churches all over the country? Can you imagine that? Can you picture that? And it's like uh, everywhere you go, people want to find out, what are you doing? You want to meet somebody, trying to set you up with somebody <laughs> everywhere you go? 
I got married when I was in my 40s, 41, right? And uh, had people, you know, telling me, walking up to this, uh, just for me, this is just my story. You know, when I hit 30, um, I'm traveling, people would tack it on to the end of the conversation. Well, so do you think you're going to find somebody? Well, that's kind of an important subject, but sure, you know, we can talk about this. And then as I progressed in my 30s, it's like people moved it up in the conversation. <laughs> it just got even more awkward. This is, this, is not, this is not a lot of fun, you know? Did you realize that in the United States, 48% of adults in America are single? 48%? That number keeps growing. So this is one reason why we, we teach on this, is because if we took a show of hands, we won't. If we took a show of hands, chances are we're probably about half the crowd here today would, might be single. So we're having conversations on meeting people, and then they throw it in. And then as I progress to, to 40, people bring it in at the beginning. So, right, and I remember being around 40 and just seeing someone I hadn't seen in a long time. And I said, well, hello, good to see you. And he just blurted right out, hey, David, do you think you're ever going to find somebody to marry? I was like, wow, you know, usually we talk about the weather here in the beginning. We <laughs> talk about the, how windy it is out there, you know? I had another guy... Uh, on, on the board with us, tell me, you know, my 30s. He said, Fleming said, uh, you, you know, do you want to find somebody? I said, well, sure. He said, well, at your age. Well, if we just pause right there, that's really not a phrase you ever want to hear, right? <laughs> I, got, I got a one and a half year old, can't figure out why he can't climb on, you know, on tables. I'm like, well, at your age, you know, the three-year-old, dad, can I do this? No, it's because at your age, you know, you, you hit 12, you hit 15, you hit 20. You know, you hit 70, you hit 80, you hit 90. You never want to hear, you know, at your age. But he told me, he said, you know, Fleming, at your age, you know, you'll, pr- you'll find somebody, but there's probably going to be something wrong with her. <laughs> oh, man. I know. It's like, well, let's just grab hands over that one. Let's just agree. Thank God for that one. You know? But I'm telling you, God is faithful. God is good to me. And so he brought the most amazing wife to me. Come on, she's not second best, third best, fourth best. Come on, he changed my story. He changed my whole story. Went from people wondering, what's, what's, is this guy, what's going to happen to him? To people saying, wow, how did you get a wife like that? And then he brought two boys along into my life. Oh, come on, this is what God wants to do. He wants to change your whole story, change everything about you. He is able. He's able to do it this morning. He's able to turn the whole thing around. And so that's what this church is about. Man, we're bringing hope to this whole area. We're not just trying to find a place for you to come on a Sunday because you guys didn't know what to do this morning. Man, the Spirit of God is investing in this region, right? And this has started decades ago, and it's continuing. And there's something that God is doing, and He's bringing hope. He's bringing help. He's bringing healing to people. He's bringing restoration. Come on, he's turning your story around. He's turning your story around. If you don't have a story right now, you want to stand up and and it'll go for decades, for ages to come. Come on, your story's not finished. There is still something that God wants to do in your life. Still something amazing that God wants to do in your life. There's an abundance that he operates in. There's an abundance that he walks in. Because when he blesses you, come on, he's thinking of more than just you. 
I remember years ago, uh, my, you know, my whole story is that my father passed away when I was a teenager. And man, immediately, I don't know about you, but poverty just moved into my life immediately. The minute that he died, just all my expectations and hopes just can't do this anymore, can't do that anymore, forget this, forget that. Could never see myself as a success. I knew I was still called to the ministry, right? And in fact, I was still even in the ministry. Couldn't see myself succeeding. And then after I had that revelation about Jesus Christ, then I began to get a revelation of poverty, that I've been set free from poverty. Come on, did he come to set me free from poverty? Yes, he did. Did he do the job? Did he do it? Absolutely. Come on, did he come to set you free from sickness? Did he come to do it? Did he complete the job? Or come on, was the job so big, right? Is he, is he take, did he take a time out? Did Jesus tell you, man, this is kind of tough. I'm like halfway. I got a little bit more to do, right? You just wait till you get to heaven. Come on, where's my people that love to start a project and don't finish anything? Come on, where are you? Man, this is me, right? Moved into my house six years ago. I still haven't finished some stuff. Man, because there's just another project to start. Man, right? Just too busy to finish that one. I want to start the new thing. But Jesus Christ is not only a starter, he's also a finisher. He completed the entire work. The Bible says he didn't sit down until he uh, secured everything that you need. Come on, do you see him alive today in heaven, seated next to the Father? It means you're done. It means you're finished. It means you've got everything you need. How do we get it? Isn't that the question? Man, it comes by a revelation. God reveals it to you. So I remember saying, well, Jesus, he came to set me free. Man, so one day I just started to focus on this. He came to set me free from poverty too. And I just started to march around the house. He did it. And I'm telling you, I got set free from poverty. Oh, man, what a weight. So then a few days later, I was flying, going on another trip. And I got on the plane. Right, so here's my typical course on the plane. I go on the plane, and I would never order anything for years because they're they're ripping us off, right? <laughs> right? Come on, when you I was an orphan, I didn't realize it. But when you're an orphan, you see things through a certain filter, right? Uh, that filter of well, I didn't get that, I can't afford that, I don't pay that, I'm not doing that. It's not right. It's not just. And I remember being on the planes when the Coke was free, and the peanuts were free, and now they're charging us charging you $2.50 for a can of Coke when I can go to Walmart and get a whole 12-pack for the same price. You're ripping me off. And because of that, I'm not buying it. And then they want $2.50 for a box of M&M's. A box is this big. You open it up, and it's this many M&M's. Come on, you're ripping me off again. I'm not buying it. And then I got set free from poverty. Come on, I got on that first flight. Here comes the lady up the aisle. I'm sitting there, and I see her coming. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to rip people off. Wait a second. I'm a child of God. I've been set free. I'm buying something. I don't care how much it is. And I'm telling you, the most amazing thing came up. She came up to me. She said, hey, what's your order? I said, I'll, I'll take this. I'll take that. And then I blurted out. There was an empty seat, and there was a girl at the window. And I blurted out to myself, and you know what? I'm buying whatever she wants. 
oh, come on, listen, when you get a revelation, that never happened before. When I was focused on me, when I was focused on my poverty, when I was focused on the trouble that I'd been through, kept wondering oh, what's going to happen, what's, why am I, why is this? But as soon as I got set free, come on, there's an abundance that comes out of you that begins to flow out, and this is what we want. Come on, what we want this morning. I don't just see you sitting there getting a revelation this morning. I see you getting a revelation, and all of a sudden, it's going to spring out. Come on, we got Thanksgiving coming up in two, three weeks. Something different is going to happen at your Thanksgiving because you're going to realize God loves me and you're showing up different with your casserole this year to Thanksgiving. (laughs) Come on, when you invite people over to your house, come on, because God's been good to you. Come on, and it's going to ripple out and somebody's coming there and is going to say, man, I needed that. And you're going to go to work and they're going to realize something's different about you and you're going to say, yeah, God's been good to me today. And it's going to ripple through the entire workforce and someone else is going to, and it's going to ripple somewhere else and it's going to ripple somewhere else and it's going to go somewhere else. God's been good to me. This is why I tell my story. This is why I tell you what I went through being single, right? Because somebody in here needs to hear it. Somebody in here needs encouragement, right? You're single. You know somebody that's single. Chances are, right? God can touch marriages. He can do anything. So those are the things that we teach on. That's my introduction. <laughs> so we're teaching on helps, ministry of helps. Why don't you turn with me in your Bibles. If you have uh, your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to look at a couple of verses. I want to look at 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to look at verse 12. Look at verse 18. Look at verse 27. I didn't... Uh, send my verses ahead of time to the guy in the sound booth, so I'm giving him a little time to get the verses up on the screen. Did you catch that? Did you guys see what was going on there? <laughs> First Corinthians twelve twelve. So what we want to talk about today is serving in the kingdom of God. So we'll just start here. I'm not going to read the entire passage. First Corinthians twelve twelve. For as the body is one and has many members. All the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Let's look at verse, let's go to verse 14 if we can. We'll go to 14 and then 18. Verse 14, for in fact the body is not one member, but many. Verse 18, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Now if we had time, we would look at this whole passage The Apostle Paul is describing how we work together as like a human body. What a great illustration. It still fits 2,000 years later. You have parts of the body you see, parts of the body you don't. Parts of the body that are in front, parts that are in the back, parts that are tough, parts that are strong, parts that are soft. Everything is vital. We have the same thing in this crew right here. People we see. People we don't see. People who came a long time early, we have no idea what they did. People who just came. People that are tough. People say, come on, get with it. People that are sensitive. And yet we all make up one body. We need every single person. And he goes on to talk about how there's no competition in the body because we're one body. When one person shines, man, we all shine. One person struggles, we all feel that. We're not competing with, the, with each other. Let's personify this just for a quick second. 
Have you ever had an argument between your hands and your hair? Have you ever had a competition between? Can you, can you imagine a conversation between the hands and the hair coming into church, and the hands are like, okay, we're tired, we're, we're fed up with it. Everybody keeps talking about the hair. The hair, the hair, the hair. Everybody wants to know, what'd you do to your hair? Did you change your hair? And the hands are, are your hands ever get upset? Can you imagine this scenario? The hands are tired. We're tired of everybody talking about you. Every time we walk in, no one ever says, what great hands you have. All they want to say is the hair. So then imagine the scenario where your hands are saying, we're going to fix you today. We're going to change that up. You sit in the car, and right before you go out there, the hands just, the hands just change the whole thing up. I'm going to mess you up. No one's talking about you today except to make fun of you. Come on, has that ever happened to you? Man, I felt like when I walked in the door with all that wind, I was like, man, I think that's just what happened to my hair there. <laughs> but the whole body was working together, trying to get everything back in place. Come on, man. Right? We are one body. We all work together. We are not competing with each other. And he goes on to say now in verse 27, verses 27 and 28, he describes more parts of the body. You are the body of Christ, members individually. God has appointed these in the body. Apostles, prophets, teachers, after that, miracles, gifts of healings, helps. Everyone say helps. Everyone say administrations. So these are the two words that I'm focusing on. We're not going to look at the whole list. He has placed in the body helps and administrations. What I want you to see here is he has not just placed the pastor. In addition to the pastor, he has placed helps and administrations. Look this up in other translations, and you'll see the words of assistance. God has placed assistance in the church. He's placed helpers in the church, wise guides in the church. He's placed organizers. Come on, where's my organizers? Where's my people that like charts and graphs, lists, telling other people what to do? Where are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got a list. Anybody have a list? You know, every time you go shopping? Anybody have a mental list just when you're fixing food, you're making food? I know I'm doing this, I'm doing that, right? While I'm doing this, I can multitask, I can have this going, right? Organizers have been placed in the church. We need you. Now, the translation, one of my favorites, the Taylor, Taylor paraphrase says, God has placed in the church those who know how to get others to work together. Oh, don't you like that? Come on, where's my peacemakers? Where's my people that just love working with people? Where's my uniters, the unifiers, right? You grab and bring people together. You have been placed in the church. And so all these people have been placed in the church to come around the ministry of the Word of God. See, the ministry of the Word is what is the forefront. It's the focus. This is why you're here today. We use all kinds of different events, all kinds of different things, but the purpose of you coming today is to get the Word of God into you. If I can get the Word of God into you, if I can get you to prepare your heart and receive, it can change everything about you. But sometimes people aren't ready to receive the Word. Sometimes they need a sandwich. What an amazing video we saw this morning. Man, I'm ready to just uh, jump up and go to the store, right? Isn't that inspiring, right? The box is the helps, right? The ministry of helps is everything that goes on around the teaching of the word. What we're trying to get to these kids is Jesus. And we're using dolls. We're using toys. We're using, right, sunglasses. We use pizza. We use donuts. 
right? We use a class on finance. We use a class on, right? So everything you've seen this morning coming into place is the ministry of helps. We've seen it in action so much. Parking lot is lined. That's helps. You know where to park. Did anybody, is anybody not clear if you parked uh, in, a, in a good spot or not? Right? Is anybody wondering, I wonder if somebody's going to hit my car? No. You parked in this parking lot? The lines make organized. It's getting you ready to receive from the Word of God. You walked in the door. We greeted you. We're getting you ready to receive from the Word of God. We have chairs. We're getting you ready to receive from the Word of God. <laughs> Aren't you glad that you're not standing the entire time? We have a sound system gets you ready to receive from the Word of God. We sang songs. We're not trying to impress you or getting your heart ready to receive from the Word of God. We took your children to another room, getting your heart ready to receive from the Word of God. <laughs> we're doing a lesson for them on their level. We're not babysitting. We're getting their heart ready to receive from the Word of God. A couple months ago, uh, we were down in Florida, and a boy went into, a three-year-old went into children's class, and they did a, a lesson on David and Goliath, and the lady had a, a cardboard cutout about this tall of Goliath, and lined up all the kids, put a sock inside of a sock, swung it around, and let them be like David, and just hit Goliath. In the last six months, I had come across, like every other load of laundry, I got a sock inside of a sock <laughs> in my house. My boy's like, come on, Dad. Hey, Dad, stand up with me. You're about to go down. Come on, Dad. <laughs> Man, I love this. What are they doing? They're getting the word of God into my boy. So my boy stands and yells, God is with me. You're going down. (laughs) God is with me. And he's swinging it around. Got to make sure he's not hitting his brother upside the head. Wait, is that a ball of Play-Doh in that sock? Let me take that out of here. Is that a tractor in that sock? No, he can't put the tractor in there. Come on, the point of this is to get the Word of God into the the heart of the people. But people aren't always ready just for a scripture verse, a prayer. Sometimes we have to get them ready for it. And so this is the ministry of helps placed by God in the church. God has done this. Right? There's stories in the Old Testament, uh, Exodus 35, I'll just refer to it, Exodus 35, Moses has the job of building the temple. God said, listen, I showed you the temple, I want you to do it exactly the way I've called you to do it, but you don't have to do it by yourself. And he had anointed two men to come alongside and work with their hands. It's an amazing story. God told him, he said, not only have I anointed them to help you, I've anointed them to work with their hands to do physical work, craftsman work. God does not just anoint someone to preach. He'll actually anoint you to come and work in the church. He'll actually anoint you to do your job. So I started out. I graduated from Bible school. And they called me up and said, you want to come work for us? I said, man, that'd be awesome. They said, great. Here you go. Here's some, uh, here's some pants and a shirt. Give me a uniform. And here's a lawnmower. Go cut the grass. Well, that wasn't the dream I had. Well, that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> I want to go preach, but I learned how to be faithful cutting the grass. I remember one time they said, uh, we got a bunch of ball fields there at the church. They said, we need somebody to go down and, and pick up the trash. You know, you grounds guys. And, and I remember thinking to myself, well, there's like one or two ball fields that are closed, but I'm not going to go to that third one. It's so far away. Nobody knows. Come on, down on the inside. I heard the Spirit of God say, I go down there. 
Yes, sir. So I turned my cart back around. I went down. And come on. And I, and I wound up just doing the jobs, you know, that nobody else wanted to do. Learned how to be faithful serving. I was ready to preach. He was just trying to get me, why don't you just show up? Why don't you just show up with a good attitude? I remember learning how to usher. I remember the first time I ushered, I was 18 years old. And, uh, man, I was really quiet, uh, really shy with people and just wasn't much into greeting people. And, don't, you know, uh, God's got a sense of humor. He just put me at the biggest door coming in and out of the church. And they told me, why don't you just greet everybody? And I remember just kind of getting nervous, like, everybody? <laughs> like, every single person? Yeah, why don't you do that? I was like, how about if I start with the people that I know? You know, like all 10 of them. <laughs> no, you got to greet every person, right? And uh, honestly, it probably took me about six months before I could, like, put a smile with it. Man, I was just nervous. I remember working in the parking lot. This church there, we'd have a big event every year. You know, about five, 6,000 people come. So that's a lot of cars and so... Again, God's got a sense of humor. Put me up at the top spot up by the police at the top of the traffic. You know, there's like 25 of us doing parking lots, and I got, the, I got the number one spot. Everybody, you come on and off of campus, everybody sees me. This was humbling. I got my diploma. I'm ready to preach. And yet here I am directing you where to park, right this way. You can park right here. You know, thousands of people coming. People I graduated from Bible school with, they're coming there in the ministry, and I'm directing them right park right here. Man, it's cold. It's February, you know. I got my gloves on, but I learned how to be faithful what was right in front of me. And I learned early on, man, if I do a good job in the parking lot, they're going to get something from the meeting. Right? We can't do a sloppy job everywhere else and expect people to hear from the Word of God. And so the ministry of helps comes alongside. We're giving our best. We're serving. And so I am up here today teaching on this because I've actually done thousands of things that no one's ever seen. You have no idea what I've done. I worked behind the scenes. I was faithful to help someone else. Right? See, I wanted to get started by preaching. And what he, what he asked me was, would you get started by helping somebody else? In fact, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 16. He said, Luke 16, he said, man, if you'll be faithful in that which is small, can you be faithful in that which nobody else wants to do? Can you be faithful just to keep doing the, the easy stuff? So many times we miss it getting started in the kingdom of God because, ah, oh, that's too easy. We, we, you know, we want to go for the big thing. You know, we want to walk into the church and how do I get up on stage? How do I get that microphone? And it doesn't always start that way. In fact, Jesus said it this way. If you'll be faithful to do, be faithful in that which is another man's, how do you get started in the ministry? Go help somebody else. Too many people today are trying to figure out, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Why don't you find somebody who's doing something and go help them? This is why I'm here today. So this is what I've been doing for the last 35 years. I travel the country, just teaching. And so even as a traveling minister today, I still actually volunteer on projects. I still go home to my home church. I'm like a freelance volunteer. I'm like a professional volunteer. I'll just show up here on a Sunday and help. Right? Years ago, it's because I thought about getting the job done, but now I realize one of the vital things about being a volunteer in the church is it's the best place of being a follower of Jesus Christ and making followers. It's the easiest place. Anybody can start by serving in the church. It's not the only place. This is not the only way to get started, but it's the easiest way. It's the sure way. Everyone can get started this way. So one reason why we teach on this is because the church needs you, but you need the church. Come on, you need a vehicle for promotion. 
The way to get promoted in the kingdom of heaven is by being faithful. The church gives you an opportunity to be faithful. We need you. You need us. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Tell them, say, we need you. Come on, turn to your other neighbor. Say, we really need you. So in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians 4, I want to look at a couple of verses here, starting in verse 12. Ephesians 4, 12, we'll finish up with 15 and 16. So in the local church, what I've done through the years is I've helped to organize events. I uh, also work at a, a summer camp down in Florida. And I work behind the scenes, organizing people. We set up dorms. We come up with games. We come up with snacks. We do food, right? What can you do in the local church? Man, what, what can you do? What do you have? We need people who can write. We need people who can work on computers. Can you work with Excel programs? Can you work with media? Can you put things online? Can you do videos, right? Can you organize? Can you clean? Do you like kids, right? Do you like to fold paper? Do you like to type? What is it that you like to do? We've got something for you. Do you like to donate? We've got a place for you too, right? Your gifts are going to fit what we're doing here at the local church. And so you're going to get tired, right? It's not always glamorous, right? There's times where I come home and I'm exhausted, I'm tired. But there's such a rich reward of being involved in the kingdom of God. Come on, you cannot outgive God. He is the promoter, he is the investor. In Ephesians chapter 4, we see another list, verse 11, Ephesians 4, 11, sorry. He himself gave some to be apostles. We're going to see another list. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why did he give them? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. One of the purposes of the pastor, one of the purposes of my gift is to inspire you to get up and do something. One of my purposes is to inspire you. Come on, you do. You get up and go. There's something you can do. All ages, all sizes. If you're alive, you qualify, right? You've got to grow. I want you to grow. I want you to become equipped. And the, one of the ways you do that is by doing something. It's not enough to just sit there and watch everybody else work. Right? He goes on to say, let's look at verse 15. 15 and 16. Speak the truth in love. He gives us some qualities about working with people. So that we may grow up in all things into him who's the head, Christ, from whom the whole body. Everybody say, I'm a part. The whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. This causes the growth of the body. A couple of weeks is Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. Growing up. I don't know why I liked it. If it was the meat and potatoes or the time off of school or the football or the, the fall, then I love it. I don't know about you, but I'm the youngest. Anybody here, you're the youngest in the family? Right, we've had it made, haven't we? I've got three older sisters, right? So growing up, Thanksgiving was, uh, was awesome. I didn't have to do anything. My whole responsibility is to show up. They're all working. David, what are you bringing? My presence. And you're welcome. This is a great event. How come we don't do this every month? 
year after year after year. Let's do it. Thanksgiving, love it. Years and years and years. So now I'm, I'm a sharp guy. You know, I'm watching. And after time, I see that the, the sisters are involved. The sisters are doing something. They're like having to work. But we're the youngest. We know if we're just quiet, nobody's going to notice us. If we're just quiet, nobody says a word, right? And we can just go about our way, just pretend like we don't know what's going on. And then after years and years and years go by, then the sisters say, thank you to the older siblings, right, for getting, calling the carpet on us. Brother needs to do something. So my parents came to me and said, well, can you help? Can you contribute what you have in mind? Can you bring a bag of ice? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I could do that. Is that like a dollar? Like a dollar, should I go to the store, pick that up? Should I bring that? Should I, should I bring it with me? Okay. So for years, my whole contribution to Thanksgiving is a bag of ice. Then they said, well, why don't you bring some soda? And I brought the soda that I liked. And my mother said, well, w- would you think about bringing soda that someone else would like to drink? <laughs> Hold on. Let me get my list. Let me write down what everybody else wants. And for years, my whole contribution to Thanksgiving is a bag of ice and a soda. They're like doing a turkey, I'm not sure what that is, you know, they're baking pies, making salads, vegetables, who's doing the vegetable tray, who's, you know, I got the ice, I got it right here, I got the ice, the, the drink is cold, right? Oh, I'm loving it, man. And then one year, the sisters found out I know how to make mashed potatoes. <laughs> Jig is up, man. I've been doing mashed potatoes every year ever since then. Every year I do mashed potatoes, Right? And they tell me, I show up at Thanksgiving, they're like, oh, David, these mashed potatoes are so good. I really thought I made really good mashed potatoes. That's how you motivate a man. You tell him, nobody makes potatoes like you do. You want to see the guy just keep on making them every year, 20 years later. (laughs) Nobody makes potatoes like I do. I've got to bring them. My potatoes are the best, you know? Yeah, the sisters, they got me back all these years later. One year, I... uh, Slipped and fell, getting the Christmas decorations, broke a bone on my foot, you know, a week before Thanksgiving. They still made me make the potatoes. I got my foot propped up. I can't even move. And they're like, you're doing the potatoes, right? And I'm like, okay, you know. I had a brother-in-law come to me one year uh, growing up, and he said, hey, why don't you and I, let's go in and do the dishes. And I was like, today? You want to do the dishes today? This is the day you pick? The number one dish day of the year? No, we're not doing dishes on Thanksgiving. I have sisters. What are you talking about? We do dishes on like the pizza, you know, the paper plate day, the, the styrofoam cup day. That's the day you volunteer for dishes. But we went in there and we did the dishes. You know, uh, a couple years later, I learned how to carve a turkey. So now let's fast forward again, you know, a few more years. At this point, I've learned how to cook the turkey. At this point, I've, I've hosted at my house, but we still all get together. Right? It's about that time. We're a little late of finding out. The email hasn't come out yet. I keep waiting every day. Who's doing what in my house, right? One sister is, is back in the country now, so I presume she's doing the turkey. She'll host. Another sister likes the vegetable tray. Another sister likes this, the end of the... And so now we're just kind of picking and choosing. Everybody pitches in. In fact, you know, I've got nephews, and uh, the nephews pitch in now taught the nephews how to carve a turkey. Years ago, you know, when they were uh, all teenagers, I talked them into doing the dishes one time. <laughs> Come on, boys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to show you how we do this, right? I washed, the next one rinsed, another one dried, the last one put it away. Made all the girls really nervous. You know, that china, they're all like, kept coming into the kitchen. You guys okay in here? <laughs> you guys all right, you know? 
the little niece grew up, you know, she started out putting the ice in the cups, right? So now I don't do the ice anymore. Pass that on to another nephew. He's in his uh, mid-20s now. About three, four years ago, they gave him the bag of ice. And that first day, he forgot the bag of ice. (laughs) Yes, I teased him all afternoon. That was my job, right? You couldn't remember the bag of ice. Bag of ice. How tough was that? Bag of ice, you know? So now every year when he shows up, he makes sure to say, Uncle David, I brought the ice. Uncle David, back off. I brought the ice. (laughs) You brought ice. Way to go, right? So in my family, I don't know what it is in your family, but in my family, this is what we do. We all pitch in. Everybody has something to do, right? One person host, but someone else will come over and help them set the table. And then when we're done, we all pitch in. We all get the dishes and take them in, and we're all cleaning up. I always have my eye on making sure that the turkey gets back into the fridge at the proper time, you know, because I want that turkey left over, you know. I don't want that turkey sitting out for hours and... So I make sure that the, the turkey, you know, my wife always asks me, is, it, is the food good? I said, well, the turkey and the potatoes are good. I don't know about everything else. <laughs> Not interested in it, so it could be still out on the counter. But we're all pitching in. We're all doing something. It's not one person that does the hosting and the turkey and the pies and the vegetables and cleans up, right? If it's one person, boy, they don't want to see Thanksgiving ever again. So I think this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Come on, let's look back at this verse again. Verse 15 and verse 16. Let's look at this. Verse 16. The whole family, the whole body, joined and brought together by what everybody's bringing, right? Somebody's bringing a turkey. Somebody's bringing the pie. Someone's, someone's coming to just help clean. The effective working by which every part does its share. Come on, we want the right person cooking the turkey, right? I don't want to have to order pizzas later. Right? I don't want this turkey undercooked. I want the right, I want the pies good. I want everything good. The effective working, every part does its share. This causes the growth. Come on, this is what Paul is talking about. This is the local church. Come on, there are people in here that you approach volunteering the same way that I did when I was growing up. You're just showing up. Thank you. Thank you for coming. But there's gonna come a time when we're gonna ask you. Can you bring a bag of ice? Can you bring a bag of ice? Come on, what we're asking you to do is get involved, do something. I'm not asking you to do the whole thing. I'm not asking you to come show up two hours early, quit your job, sell your house, move in with them. (laughs) But there's a part. There's something you can do. He said, it's the effect of working every part does its share. Come on, this is where you get started in the plan of God. You got a dream in your heart that may be different, bigger than that. Come on, just come in and get started. I've done all kinds of things, things I liked, things I didn't like. But I learned how to just be faithful, how to just help, how to just jump in. What can I do for you? How can I help you? What do you need today? Oh, those words are golden in the ears of the pastor. How can I help you? And so on the heart of this, behind this, is because God's been good to us. This is why we serve. Right? We're already part of the family, right? I'm not part of Thanksgiving trying to earn. 
I'm already, I'm already in the family. And because I'm in the family, I willingly just jump in. Hey, what can I do? How can I help? You know, for many years, I was like trying to serve, trying to earn God's favor. I was like driven to try to be the best because I was trying to like show him that I deserved what he did for him. When you're that way, you're, you're self-righteous. And I'll be honest with you, man, it's annoying to work with. <laughs> you ever have somebody in your life, somebody that you know that's just like, just like driven, like I have to do, I have to be. Yeah, it's just fear, that's all. Fear's just jumped in with a good quality and just made it, I, I'd like to be the best. I have to be the best, right? I have to do everything. I want to do everything. And then I got a hold of how good God had been to me because of Jesus Christ. And it changed my whole view of serving. So now, today, no longer do I use everything to build my identity. Now everything I have is to build his kingdom. So now I'm looking for opportunities to serve to help somebody else. Because I know, man, that opportunity to serve is a chance to get the word of God in. I got a great gas power to edger, stick edger, right? Back from my days of cutting the grass. It's a tool for the kingdom of God. I'm using it to get into the, the, the street across, the house across the street, right? He thinks I'm just edging his yard, but I'm trying to get into him so I can put the word of God and tell him one day, why do, why, man, why are you doing this for me? God's been good to me, and I'm waiting for that ripple. And his next door neighbor had an accident, you know, a couple years ago, and I looked across the street, cars, pretty bad shape. They probably need dinner. They need a word from God. They need dinner. So we went and got him a gift card gave it to them, and they're like, well, you don't even know us. Why would you do that? I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> Come on, everything in my life now is a tool in the hands of the master. God has been good to us. You do the same thing. Jump in with us. You'll begin to grow. You'll begin to grow. We'll grow because of it. I'll benefit from you getting involved. You'll benefit from me getting involved. We're doing this for the kingdom of God. We're doing this for the master. Come on, God has been good to us. He's been right. so good to us. Yeah. Your story is not finished. Your story is not over. There's an abundance coming. There's an abundance coming. There's an abundance coming. There's an abundance coming. I don't know what you've been through, but God can more than repair, more than repair, more than repair what you've been through. My father passed away in the month of April. For 20 years, I avoided the month of April. Hated it. Didn't like it. Saw it coming. Ugh. April's coming. Do you want to guess what month my first boy was born? <laughs> Come on. I never thought I'd ever be free from that regret in April. And now for the rest of my life, I'm planning birthday parties for the month of April. There's no limit to what God can do. The very thing that I thought was, ah, the thing to avoid, he turned around and he made it my testimony. And then he added another boy on top of it. God's been good to us.